Welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James, and each week I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. This week, I'm speaking with Toby Newman, who is L&D lead at Here Technologies, based in the Netherlands, and who's a veteran of 15 years in our profession across different organizations and industries. In this episode, we discuss Toby's experience, how he's seen things change in L&D, and also how Here Technologies have developed a culture of autonomous learning to meet current and future needs. So let's get into it. Toby, welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. Thank you for having me, David. Uh, now, your entry, Toby, into L&D seems quite similar to mine in that you entered as a trainer, but parallel to holding an operational position. You were assistant manager at Blockbusters. Now, 13 years later, and you're L&D lead at Here Technologies. So what are the biggest changes in L&D you've experienced in the last 13 years? And what have you done personally to adapt your practice? Well, <laughs> definitely going straight into it. Um, so, yeah, so I've had many, many years of experience uh, through various different roles from kind of traditional training uh, in a classroom all the way up to kind of what uh, me and the, the, the team are, are doing uh, here in uh, here technologies. Mm -hmm. That joke never gets old as here and here, but there you go. <laughs> um, so I think the biggest changes, I think it has to be the face-to-face -to, -face to online. Mm. Um, and I'm thinking more particular about online rather than e-learning. Um, mm. A lot of people kind of confuse the two, but I think e-learning is very specific to that kind of, you know, click next, click next. Whereas I'm thinking about the pure full online experience of MOOCs uh, and articles and podcasts mm -hmm. uh, and all the kind of things that take up uh, and YouTube, obviously, and all those yeah. kind of things. I think that uh, that that's a that's a, that's a massive thing, isn't it? That uh, that that all those years ago, um, we were the the owners of the online element. You mentioned there e-learning, but I mean the world the world's just changed exponentially since then. So oh, yeah, yeah. We, I don't even think we own. I heard somebody talk quite recently said we don't own the term e-learning anymore. It's been <laughs> we've ruined it almost, yeah, been, and now it's in the hands of the users. Yeah, yeah, and I think I mean you make a very good point. Um, I actually uh, uh, just uh, just about to release a video on on LinkedIn on on this topic about where the uh, who holds the knowledge key at the moment because mm. traditionally it did used to be us professors, teachers, and we would tell you when to learn, how to learn, uh, you know, and where to learn. Mm. But now it's completely up to the the individual, uh, and it's. So it's not just a change for the you know the audience. So it's a change for us as well. Yeah. We have to get as a profession. We have to get used to not being the centre of attention anymore. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I'm a very I'm a big extrovert. Mm. So I love being centre of attention. Uh, so it's it's a struggle. Mm. I think that uh, that that what you're describing there is a is a change in relationship. I got into learning and development in the late 1990s. Um, I think that I. I didn't log on to the internet really until until around about the same time, and it, it certainly wasn't the, the the thing that it is now. Yeah. But I was very much used to not just being the the sage on the stage to use uh, the old term, but but I used to read all the books and then be able to recommend books. I'd be in training sessions and I'd be introducing yeah. models and and theories that that people weren't aware of. But we've only got to travel. 
six or seven years later and that has really switched around that the oh, yeah. access to online uh, information know-how insights connection with real experts shifted that dynamic i mean again you, you know that we've, we've been in learning and development um a similar amount of time that that access and receptiveness to to online learning is a is a is a big thing for us oh yeah I mean, I remember when I was at university back in back in the old days, mm. where you know you had to go to the library. Yeah. Um, I think my first year of university, they had one computer for for everybody, mm. uh, and then by my third year, they had about fifty, um, maybe even hundreds. So you know, the speed of change back then was was crazy. But I mean, I couldn't imagine going to university now in terms mm. of what what's uh, available. And I, I must admit, I was kind of quite late to the parties. Like, like I said, we're very similar in terms of our experience mm. and, and how long we've been in the game. Um, but I was always the, the kind of front and center uh, person and kind of delivering traditional training mm. um, up to, I suppose, suppose, relatively recently. Uh, and there was a few things that kind of opened my eyes. But I, I was very much a kind of... I never really got any formal training yeah. and a lot of people ask me and they probably ask you the same thing about how did you get into training? I fell into it yeah. by accident and I loved it. Um, but I learned afterwards to be a, how to be a kind of a in colons proper trainer in terms of the theories and stuff. I just went by what I felt was, was, was right. Mm. Uh, and I, maybe I had the, the, the knack to do it. I don't know, but uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy time and it's almost to the point where you kind of you can't give recommendations anymore because mm. it's purely on what you know and there must be hundreds of other articles and books and you know people to follow that you wouldn't have any of a clue mm. so it's it's being able to kind of yeah i don't know how to put it but being able to kind of turn off what you think you know yeah. and open it up to everybody else to facilitate it a lot more mm. and You've started to unpack this. The second part of that question was, how have you personally adapted your practice? Like you, I kind of fell into learning and development. And I thought it was one thing. And through my years of in-house, realised uh, it's a very different thing when, when reaching a very senior yeah. level, talking to board members. Um, you re you realise that it isn't about delivery. The expectations are, are very different. But how have you adapted your practice in the, in the 13 um, years or so? I think probably the biggest thing that I've adapted to is, I suppose, I mean, I, I don't want to sound big-headed, but I think the, the mindset that I got, got over relatively quickly uh, was key. So I kind of, once I realized the power of the online and video, mm. um, I was kind of, I was, you know, kind of well into it, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. Um, and I wasn't really kind of, oh, I don't know, you know, that, I was like, no, no, that this is, I can see this. Mm. Um, so that mindset change is definitely a big thing for me. Um, and that goes to things like going to these expos, going to these big events and seeing what's happening and not having people tell you, but you experience it for yourself. Mm. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me was not dismissing face-to-face uh, -face because mm. it is important um, and not dismissing online. I know a lot of people talk about blended learning. Well, what I try and do um, is is take is kind of break down what is face-to-face -face. what do you actually do mm. as a face-to-face -face training and break down all the elements and think well how not just so well let's just turn it into an e-learning but think kind of outside the box how does that 
represent on an online? What can that do to get that kind of engagement in that particular area? Mm. And I think for me that that worked, that helped me to really kind of understand the online world and and how people can navigate through it because people love the online, mm. but there's a reason for that. And breaking that down uh, was useful. Yeah. And so how have you seen expectations change of L&D from stakeholders? And I mean, stakeholders at all levels, whether that be yeah. um, core contributors in in your organizations, whether that be management levels, and also leaders. How have those expectations shaped L&D in your experience? In, in my experience, I'll, I'll start from the top. Um, that's in the time that I've been in training, there's been a shift, at least in my experience, between seeing L&D as a cost um, and when I was, you know, in the first maybe 10 years of training, we were always the first to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever there was budgeting and cost cutting and stuff, it was always HR and training because they're the costs of the, the, the environment. Uh, they were the first to go. Mm-hmm. Now, in my experience, it's more that we're still, you know, kind of held accountable, but it's not always a, a knee jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think LND. No, sorry. That leadership in general sees the benefit of of LND, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great thing. Um, for learners, I honestly think their expectations have changed in terms of time. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, they were quite happy to wait three months, six months for a training to come along. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were very patient. Nowadays, not you know, not anything due to their own, it's just the environment that we're in with YouTube and everything made immediate with you know, streaming services and all that kind of stuff, is that they take that as read for L&D. Mm-hmm. They want to learn right this minute. And that can be very frustrating, very challenging for, for people in for us. Um, the, I mean, what I'd love to be able to say to them is say, you know, kind of do a matrix thing and just plug yourself into the knowledge and download it and off mm-hmm. you go. We're not quite there yet. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to come at some point. Um, but I think that's the, probably the most, the biggest change for the for the actual learners themselves. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that uh, that timeliness is um, it's almost the last area that learning and development really need to crack. What we've always done before is before e-learning was so prevalent there was the the classes that people could attend. And if you were a new manager, then it's likely that could be months, even years after you become a manager, which, you know, in in our time, I mean, you could have a look and say that they've become impatient, but maybe they've become less tolerant of that waiting time because they realize there's more riding on it. They've got got high expectations. Yeah, they are holding us accountable. Yeah, so their expectations have changed. So rather than us doing what we can when we can, maybe looking and thinking, so what do people actually need and when do they need it? And I think that that's the the next big opportunity for technology, providing people what they need when they need it, guiding and supporting them uh, through and navigating as they transition into and through uh, our organization so so i think that there's a, it's like you were saying before about the power change yeah is, it used to be with us and now it's with the the, the, the rightly so it's with the customer mm. and that's why there's so much talk about being human-centered employee-centric um all yeah. about uh, personalization because recognizing that that we live and die our oxygen is to a great extent uh the amount that we are able to impact what people are, are trying to do i think it used to be 
uh, engagement before then it was footfall so how many people attended yeah. then it was how much engagement that we've got but i think we've we're fast moving towards a world of uh, what impact that we're actually having in the in the actual work so um let's talk about you and your role toby tell us about your role at uh, here technologies and perhaps starting with what what here technologies does and and then how lnd supports your business yeah so um i think here technologies is a platform location company to start mm. with so we're one of those companies that if you're not in the industry you would never have heard of us but we are actually market leaders in what we do with mm. kind of 90 percent market share um so to put it simply we used to be and we are still to a certain extent the, the database behind your sat nav so in mm. in car sat navs we have four out of five cars in the world have our database inside them so BMWs, Audis, Land Rovers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You would know that you know, if you got lost, it was, I wouldn't say it's our fault, but yeah, <laughs> we're, we're the people that make the data. Um, now we've pivoted towards a location-based uh, content. And to give you a kind of a, a use case to put that into context is let's say a, a new company comes along and they've got uh, a technology where they put a chip inside your arm that measures blood pressure. And it will send a message to your doctor ambulance to say if there's if it notices a spike in terms of I know heart attack, which is great. Yeah, and that's kind of technology is already out there. Mm. But if the doctor or ambulance doesn't know where you are, you're screwed. Mm. <laughs> so and that's where we come in as a location platform. The idea is that these companies and these uh, people they put their data uh, in our platform. We then kind of stamp it. I'm obviously, I'm not a developer, so you can tell I'm not the kind of the techie person. But we essentially stamp it with location to say you are here, and you know these are all the information you need for location. Mm. And then other companies can work together. Very similar to how Facebook worked with social, mm. uh, Netflix it works with streaming. Uh, we do it for location. So you've got a uh, an organisation that. I suppose your bread and butter is pushing the boundaries. It's about um, yes. uh, not just taking people's expectations now and making them better in, in a world in which disruption can happen at the drop of the hat if you're not looking at innovation and what the, the end user really is trying to do. And a lot of the time, the end user isn't trying to use your platform. The end user's trying to get to where they need to be. They, they're trying to locate something, someone, or be located, as, as you've stated. So it's going to have its unique challenges, its own oh, yeah. people development I mean, challenges. Is, um, uh, to develop a uh, fully autonomous world. Yeah. So, you know, they're not holding back. Mm. <laughs> in terms of where they want to be you know so you've got smart cities you've got autonomous driving um all those elements mm. as well as the individual you know location based everything from you know finding your keys to finding you know efficient ways to get places mm. everything that you can think of has location uh it kind of as its dna then it's no surprise then that that your stakeholders may expect autonomous learning and development experiences, those oh, that guide and support I mean, them. It's, it's a hell of a challenge. I mean, um, I know we, we chatted offline about um, kind of what I call the staying ahead of the curve. Mm. And in some kind of maybe more traditional environments, I don't know, let's say you're, you're selling shower curtains. Mm. Um, that's kind of, it's relatively straightforward. Mm. Um, yeah, there's not too much innovation. When you're talking with the technology and data um, 
the I mean you're familiar with new learning curves and, and all these kind of things, but the the Moore's I think it's Moore's law, which is the mm. kind of or the ex, extrapolation of uh, was it P, uh, power of computers? Yeah, and it was it every eighteen months it triples or quadruples, mm. uh, and now they're talking about every six months that it does the same thing. But if you then merge the two lines, they they there's no way they compete. Mm-hmm. So by the time you've learned something, it's the whatever you've learned has gone to the version two or gone to a new update or moved on. Yeah. Um, so well, going back to what we talked about before about being traditional learning and waiting six months is that in especially my customers, uh, my in-house customers, they cannot wait because they need to know now. So what we're trying to do is implement a learning culture, not because it's some, some fads that, that I thought, Oh, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Not I thought but the Mm. team has thought, it's it's a necessity to keep the company going in the right direction. Mm. And and what specifics can you talk about without divulging uh, um, your your company's well, IP? What kind of challenges, generic challenges that you think that listeners can connect with and identify with? Are you challenging, and how are you chal- how are you um, doing that? There's, uh, I mean, I think try and break it down. So there's a challenges for the individuals because they are used to being told this is the training you're having mm-hmm. um it's available here go learn this so on the old you know kind of if they were coding they would be told this is the platform we're using this is the tool you're using to code this is how you use it here's a couple of weeks worth of training and off you go uh now you know if you take things like python and arcjs and all these kind of modern tools there are so many ways that you can use them and you know the versions come out over and over again that what we have to do is is and it, you think it would be obvious for these individuals to think well i just need to go and find the information myself but a lot of the time because they're so used to being told by a handheld that it's very hard for them to change their mindset in going into this kind of self-developed learning environment mm. so one of the challenges we've got is to create an environment where they feel comfortable in going out and finding information themselves. So we provide, I talk about a lot about building a house Mm. is that we provide the solid foundation. We provide a couple of walls, but we let them roam, you know, kind of build the internal house so that at least then everything else works together, but they can find their own mix uh, in house. Mm. That's one big thing. Um, the one of the biggest struggles, um, at least for me personally, is working in such a big company. There is so many things you have to be considerate about, everything from legal to HR, um, and the fact that we're global. We've got fifty offices. You know, everything from Sydney to Berkeley. Mm. So time zones and and you know everything from in Germany. You've got the German Works Councils, which are very very strong unions mm. uh, that you have to abide by. Uh, and you know, a lot of different countries have very similar things. Uh, so there's a lot of things that you have to do. You could say it's kind of loop, you know, uh, holes to jump through, but they're, they're there for a reason. Um, but it's just, it can be frustrating. It can be challenging if you want to get things out quickly. Hmm. And there's the challenge that, uh, that, that I know that you're, you're keen on, which is uh, helping people to remain relevant in what is now a, a dynamic um, 
yeah. business environment. And I suppose that's not just from a technical perspective, but that's from a, a communication and interaction as well as um, some core skill building um, on top of that. How, how are you addressing that at, uh, at here? Um, we've got a couple of different areas. So we're, we're building some tools um, around the peer-to-peer learning. So mm. for, for us, that's a really big thing is to share knowledge effectively mm. because going back to what we talked about before, that knowledge sharing was predominantly one way. Mm. Uh, but now you know, we are very much aware that it is a two-way um, effort. Mm. So we've got tools such as KPoint, which is a really great video knowledge sharing platform uh, that we're building into the, to the companies. Social learning is a big aspect. So we use Yammer as well as like WebEx teams and different elements to get people to just have conversations, not necessarily about learning, but mm. about knowledge. Uh, and for me, that's the, probably the biggest thing of learning is that you can sit in a classroom and learn, but if you then have a chat with your friend or your colleague about it, it really embeds the information and, and kind of helps you to build a better picture of it. So mm. for me, that's more powerful than, than almost any training you can do. The, I suppose the other biggest element for, um, for, the, for the conversion is also us as trainers becoming facilitators mm-hmm. uh, and helping these subject matter experts or SMEs become the, the kind of the almost the new trainers. Mm-hmm. So we don't expect them to be trainers because that's you know, a bit harsh. Uh, but we, we want them to get their information out effectively as possible. So we become yeah, the guidance, the facilitators, the consultants mm. to help them do it. And that's where we're working hard behind the scenes and not just giving information to our uh, followers, um, but also our internal staff to help them change their mindset. And are there any key areas, disciplines or skills of focus that you're that this is working particularly well on, whether this is uh, knowledge, whether it's technical knowledge and know-how with regard to software development, is it core skills building? Are, are there certain things that you're, that you're doing to address specific challenges that you're facing? I suppose the, the kind of the answer, the easy answer is not really, mm. uh, because it's each division, uh, I mean, because what, what we do kind of maybe sound quite relatively simple on, on the, the surface, but the amount of complexity there is in, in what we do is, is crazy. Um, and we've got everything from uh, data scientists out in Berkeley that have had 25 years of machine learning and AI technology knowledge, um, all the way you know down to uh, field and and uh, field collectors that have got years and years of knowing what yeah, I sound silly, but knowing what roundabouts are and what is the you know how do you break down a roundabout into a you know, the specific parts and what's a no way system and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So there is no one way of doing it. You have to kind of let loose and you have to consult with each of these divisions and departments and say, well, what do you need to be able to provide uh, you with the knowledge? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times it's helping them to find the information themselves, not necessarily training them on something. Um, so uh, yeah, maybe that doesn't answer your question the way you, you would you were expecting, but especially with our industry, it is we can't just say this is for development, this is for processing, this is for tools, this is soft skills. Mm. 
Because even in soft skills, it, it differs. You've got product managers that needs uh, pitching skills. Uh, but then you also, we have community people that go out and reach out to universities and stuff. And they need engagement skills and they need uh, you know, public speaking skills. Hmm. So it's a whole manner of different things. So uh, if I'm understanding you rightly, and please chip in just in case I've, uh, I've, I've missed some, something out here, you're providing with people with the tools in, in order to build bridges between those with expertise and those seeking the expertise rather than building facilities full of content and programs that address those is that is that right Correct. okay yeah so we we and again you're familiar with the term blended learning yeah. so the way we work is we have a kind of a three-stage approach so the first stage is always the theory the, the mm -hmm. background information so for example we have linkedin learning which is your kind of off the off the shelf stuff that you would know program management project management how to pitch all these kind of things but that's very theory there's mm. no practice in that the second stage then is to go out and find your in-house experts to say, well, what are you doing in this area within here that is you know, relevant to your audience? Mm -hmm. So we get them to either we interview them or we get them to do uh, live webinars. We uh, link information where, you know, is it on Confluence? Is it on SharePoint, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. The third step is then the social learning element is to say, right, how do you stay in contact with the people? So we use Yammer as our main uh, point of, of converse. Um, so we make sure that the experts are continuously updating the audience on where to find the information. So how and then us as a role, we hmm. sit underneath all that and we just kind of point people in the right direction. Wonderful. Okay. So, um, are there some general principles that you work to when doing this to encourage and facilitate the the development or have you got you you sort you talked earlier about creating a learning culture where um and it seems to me that your people recognize that they they need guidance or support or they've got a, a performance or capability gap that they are then able to bridge what have you done or what principles do you use in order to to let people go or give them permission and i ask that question because uh, so often we we hear that in organizations whereas outside we might be driven and know what we want but there is this almost permissiveness and i don't know whether it doesn't exist in the netherlands where uh, where you're based um but but certainly we hear that that people feel less empowered inside an organization as they rather than would if they would outside so I suppose uh, to funnel this question, it's what it, what are the underlying principles that that drive this approach and that have led you to this autonomous learning yeah. kind of um, environment? I, I, well, I think you're absolutely right, and I don't think it's just um, um, a, a location based in terms of uh, feeling trapped. Uh, I don't know. I don't mean that in a bad way, but in terms of. Uh, it's almost like you go to university and they teach you to be free thinking. Mm. And then you go into any, almost any company in the world and it's like, yeah, none of that. Yeah. We're going to tell you what to learn, how to learn. And they don't mean to do it that way. Mm. It's just they've got process. They've got, um, you know, like uh, legal things to do. They've got all these different things that you have to learn. And then once you know that, then they kind of, yeah, it's just like a, you're trapped in that kind of progression. Mm. So, there's a couple of principles that we try 
and I'm not saying they're successful, that we try and, and do. Um, the first one is, a, again, going back to that learning culture, is the first element is that self-developed learner. Mm-hmm. And what we try and do as an L&D team is we try and give people not training, but either um, it's um, guidance, I suppose, mm-hmm. is the best way. So to give you an example, we run um, what we call Spark Sessions. So every month we have um, external speakers coming on and giving a talk, very much like a TED talk or a TEDx talk, about a topic. So we've had things about uh, virtual learning, about uh, impact in a uh, virtual environment, communication in a virtual environment, et cetera, et cetera. And we give the talk and we say, if you want to know more, go here, 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 and here. Mm. And then we let the people decide. So we kind of, and we right up front, we say, this is not a training. You are not here to say the number of hours you've done or anything. This is a voluntary thing. Come along and, and kind of, we hope you enjoy that. And then we've started to see over the last year, that's been a, a kind of a gradual increase of people attending more and more questions of people asking. So we're gradually seeing that increase. Um, I'd like to think we're trying to move away from measuring things. There is still going to be that element of return on investment, but I think we are gradually moving away from that. Uh, But the other principle is giving managers more time. I think that's the best way of putting it to be able to develop their teams more effectively. So we have PDPs, personal development plans. And so we stress to individuals, you've got to use those, that time that we call the be true uh, moments to to have the conversation with your manager not just about your targets but about what you want as an individual so we stress the the, the personal side but we also stress the management to, to say that you've got to be able to be a people manager as well as a, well your leader is being a people manager mm-hmm. giving your staff the room to develop the room to to grow um, and I think the other biggest principle and it's it's a difficult one, pardon me, is that we cannot bring everybody on the journey. Mm -hmm. And what we mean by that is that in the traditional sense, when you train the staff, you train everybody, you know, if not 100% compliance, then the, you know, the whole world goes to pot and you know, your managers come down to you on a ton of bricks. Mm. And I've read a lot about this and a lot of people kind of say the similar things is that you shouldn't spend your energy trying to convert, let's say the 60, 70% that don't want to follow you. Mm -hmm. What you want to do is concentrate on that 80, so that 30, 40% that love uh, development, that love personal uh, development and want to join you. Mm. And then you help them to spread the message further. So it's a shift in, yeah, concentrating on the, you're still supporting everybody. You're Mm. not just going to leave them to it. But you you put your energy into the people that already want to be there. Yeah. So so you so where there's where there's already concern, so you can capitalize on concern if it's there. To use the phrase of uh, of Nick Shackleton Jones, and provide people with the resources and the those bridges that we talked about to connect to gain what what it is that they want. But those who aren't concerned right now, it's okay to to leave them. And I suppose it's down to the line manager if they're seeing a deficit in skills and capability and results, then they can probably, they can help yeah. to generate the concern through feedback. 
and it, it is a bit of a um, almost a tough love at the moment. Our our senior leadership is kind of being very clear to to their team, to their leaders, and to the rest of the company to say, you kind of you need to be with us on this. This is going to be moving fast. You need to be with us. And it's not like you you're either with us or against us. It's not like that. But it's more the fact that they have set the bar to say you need to be on board with this. You need to be kind of happy that this is the way things are going. Um, and it's almost like that tough love that if you're not on board, you will kind of be left behind, mm. is that there, there won't be a safety net for you. So you kind of need to, to come along on this journey. So it's part of the culture then of the organisation that people need to remain relevant in a in an organisation that is pushing the boundaries of what's possible and what people should expect from their personal technology then individuals and employees within the organization have to push themselves to remain relevant in, in, a, in a challenging um, business yeah. environment. And it's not like the, the individuals don't, aren't aware of that. Mm. Uh, I know they are and they're trying their hardest uh, and we try and, as much as we can as an organization to, to kind of remove the barriers or remove obstacles in front of them. Mm. Um, but there is that kind of line to say, you know, you need to almost just to kind of you know, restate the message that, you know, you need to drive this yourself. Hmm. And uh, I suppose, you know, yeah, going back to your your comment about uh, measurement there, I'm with you that sometimes ROI as a, as a holy grail is a misnomer because I, I, I see it a lot of the time as seeking to justify investment in a program you're already going to run it's it's not yeah. like it was it was that it was always going to um, deliver value but uh, it's almost in the justification but um being a, a technology company data is going to be very important of course you know you just described yeah. it location-based um uh platform so data is big for you is it something that you've invested in and you're you're or you're looking into for hr and l and d as well and if so how is it or do you see it impacting your your practice personally i think data is king and i think you know, we'll both agree on that and i think everybody is starting to realize that that is important uh, and like you said you know it's quite ironic that we are a data company if i'm being honest uh, we have not started to use the data that we have for L&D effectively. Mm. Um, We are aware that we are lacking in that area in terms of business business analytics and analysts, I can never say that word, uh, specifically for L&D. There are BAs for other divisions, just not for L&D. So we are very aware that that's somewhere we need to improve on. And we believe that if we get that right, we can really accelerate, you know, the things we're doing well and kind of remove the things we're not doing well. Um, so it's it's on our radar, but yeah, ironically, as a data company, we we haven't embraced it as as much as we could do. Okay, um, and if we're talking about the roles, coming to the end of the, uh, the the conversation now, if we look at the roles, I think we've been really clear that as far as the individuals themselves at, at here, you set an environment where um, people uh, are expected to to develop themselves and to keep an eye on uh, on both their skills and knowledge. And then for learning and development is providing uh, content and um, ways of connecting those who have the knowledge to those who um, uh, who wish to to acquire that that knowledge and know how. What do you expect of vendors in uh, in this situation? Oh yeah, so we have. Uh 
recently started to um, to go out to vendors to provide uh, training because mm. yeah we we are not the holders of the key anymore like we've said mm. and what we're basically working on is working with different vendors to find solutions mm. now and I don't mean this for every vendor out there because I know there's some very good ones and we work with some very good ones but the vast majority of the experience that I've seen of vendors is that they are still stuck in that old rut of e-learning. I know we said right at the top about mm-hmm. the difference between e-learning and online. So, for example, we, we, um, I sent out a pitch uh, to LinkedIn, mm-hmm. which I got hundreds of replies back uh, about you know, um, uh, a team needing some experience um, on a particular uh, element. And I would say that probably 90%, if not higher them, all came back with, we've got this e-learning tool, we've got this um, course that you can take, we've got this bespoke course with gamification. And mm. I hate gamification, by the way, but yeah, that's a whole <laughs> game. Um, and I think only one or two of them came back with, um, so what do you, what do you class as engagement? What do you, what do you want to get out of it? kind of asking those open questions and having the ability to be able to provide a blended course, mm. not just an e-learning. And we actually went with a vendor that um, could build a bespoke, it wasn't even a course, it was bespoke assets. Mm. So all, you know, different PDFs and different one pages and stuff, just to give them the raw information to then to go off and find other stuff. Yeah. And they helped yeah. us also in, uh, setting up webinars and how to share knowledge and that kind of thing. So I think in my experience, vendors have got a bit of a way to go to align themselves with the learning culture of what some of these companies like us are trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's go back. Final question. Um, if you have peers in other organizations who like what they hear from you, Toby, um, whether that be about the uh, the responsibility placed on the individual for uh, for their own development, about you um, applying so much attention to connecting uh, people, or as you've described your uh, your approach to uh, to face to face and and online learning, what what tips would you give to your peers in other organisations to get to where you are and what you've achieved, um, and perhaps a, a little bit of a roadmap. Um, I've got to say my biggest tip, and I say this to, to everybody that will listen is go to expos. I know I've, I've said this before, but that was for me, the biggest thing is to go to these. I think the, the one I went to was the, uh, learning technologies. I've been at the one in London. Uh, I've been going for the last five years or so. And just walking around and looking at the booths and, and talking with people and seeing, you know, seeing experts talk it really does give you an eye to what which way the industry is going whether it was you know 70 20 10 a few years ago to now online and now even vr and ar and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so that would be my biggest thing for individuals uh is to 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 kind of go to these expos read up on uh on content there are some great independent companies like fosway group uh, like towards maturity that run reports that you can read for free. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some great talks out there in terms of individuals or companies that kind of want to get into like looking at the learning culture and, and individual driving and stuff. 
it's you've got to get your own house right first. So you've got to get your mindset and your own team needs to be all singing in the right direction. <laughs> I know it's a play on metals, but yeah. um, in terms of what do we actually want to achieve um, and is a learning culture the right way of doing it? Mm-hmm. Um, because once you open that door or Pandora's box, so to speak, it's very hard to put back mm. because once you give people the freedom to go off and do it, they're not going to want to go back to traditional training. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of quite corny to say you know, you've got to develop yourself, but you know, go and have a look at MOOCs and you know, mass open online courses, Coursera, edX, Udemy, all these companies that provide really great training and insights um, for all these different areas that you can just grow your own knowledge and come to your own conclusion. Maybe that's, mm. that's probably what I'm trying to get is come to your own conclusion about what you think it is. Don't kind of get swayed by kind of idiots like me. They've done it one way is you've got to do it. You know, what suits your company mm. um, and you know, take all the information you can, but make your own mind up. Yeah. And it maybe doesn't answer your question the way you, uh, it should do, but, yeah, I think it's in this day and age, everybody needs to take their own journey. And yeah. that could be many different ways. Yeah, I think there's plenty, there's, um, there's some real gold in there, Toby. I think that uh, from what I've uh, interpreted from that, it's take responsibility for your own development as a learning and development professional. Keep your ear to the ground and understand what's going on, but also filter because there are some stuff that you've, you've mentioned on uh, in our conversation and there's some stuff that I believe as well. The market might be shouting about, but I don't see the inherent value within it. But there's also understanding your own organization. And too often we try to, to change a learning culture within an organization to meet what we are good at where we might want to really think about what what the organization really needs from us because it's trying to achieve a certain thing with certain expectations. Yeah, and, and one more thing uh, related to that is that, yes, it's important to ask your customers and speak to your leadership about what they want, but also by getting all this information from external sources, from these expos, from these reports from the market or the L&D market in general, that it's important then to, to merge those two. Uh, I mean, I kind of sometimes refer to it as a gut instinct, but I think it's more than that. It's more, it's more the fact of understanding where the industry is going, taking mm-hmm. what's relevant. For example, for me, VR is a brilliant thing. It's just not right for our company at this time. So, yeah. I'm kind of disregarding that area. Um, not mm-hmm. completely, but like I'm looking at chatbots now and I'm looking at different areas of that, but I'm not looking particularly at VR, even though the industry is kind of going that way. Uh, mm-hmm. But the fact that I know it's going that way is a good thing. So I can influence my customers and my leadership and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so absolutely it's important to do your own research, but also, yeah, kind of, combine them all into a what suits uh, you and your company. Brilliant. So Toby, just to wrap up then, final question, if people want to follow you online, how can they do so? Uh, yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I've also got my fledgling YouTube channel. Um, I'm, I refer to myself as the never-ending learner, which kind of sounds a bit corny, but uh, if you watch my YouTube channel, there's an explanation of why, why I call myself that. 
Um, mainly it's, it's LinkedIn. So uh, feel free to connect with me, to follow me. Um, and I'll be looking forward to having many more conversations on all these and many more topics uh, for LND going forward. That's great. Toby, we'll put those links in the show notes as well. But all that's left for me to say is thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Dave, for having me. What a wide-ranging and valuable conversation. There's plenty in there for us to consider as we evolve our practice to meet the needs of a changing workforce. Please do take a moment to rate us on your podcast app of choice. This will help others to find us and to join in the conversation. If you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning, connect on LinkedIn or Facebook, for which you'll find the links in the show notes. Goodbye for now.